0: i the So when you raise your hand and declare this, you're saying, yep, that's me. Jesus has washed me white as snow and I'm a new creation in him. If that's you, would you, would you raise your hand while we sing this?
1: times of prayer, and the church that prays together is is essential to us becoming and being who God wants us to be. So today, I'm going to invite you to join me in doing something maybe you're a little bit uncomfortable with, maybe you haven't done before, but I'm going to have a time of prayer as a church family, maybe as your own family, just around our altars today. In just a few moments, we're going to revisit the chorus of that song, that invitation to recognize who God is and what he's done and what he invites us to participate in with him sometimes life kind of gets in the way. It's a little busy, a little overwhelming, and we just need to pause, breathe him in a little bit more, recognize who he is, and just spend some time in his presence. So where I've been in West Virginia, it was kind of our family prayer time. We won't do this every week, but occasionally we'll just have a time around the altar Maybe you've got a burden on your heart that you're carrying by yourself and you just want to say, Lord, I need you to take this. It's a time to bring that. Maybe you've had a great week and you need to bring God your praises and give him thanks. If you're having trouble worshiping this morning, here's what I found. If you just take a moment to give him thanks and say thank you for something, it opens up the floodgates of recognizing who he is being able to worship him. So we're going to sing that again. And then our altar is open. We invite those who want to come and spend some time with him just to come and just to kneel. The front row is also open. If you can't kneel, you'd rather come and sit. It's just an opportunity for us as a faith family to begin our week talking to him, listening. Prayer is just as much listening, probably more listening than it is talking, giving him an opportunity to speak into our lives this morning. What a great way to start. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for choosing to come to worship with us today. Let's prepare our hearts to experience and receive all he has for us this morning.
0: As you speak.
1: first step to acknowledge who you are, to step into your presence. Because not only, really, Lord, do we acknowledge who you are, Lord, but it's an admission of who we're not, what we're not capable of, or what we're overwhelmed by or, or of what, Father, has distracted us, misled us. God, I thank you for always waiting with open arms in time with us, to talk with us, to share life, to pour into us. Lord, we want to begin as we spend some time this morning in prayer. As Jesus taught us, first by hallowing your name, it's a strange word, a word we don't often understand. but simply means to lift you up, to give you praise, to acknowledge who you are. And Lord, too often we, we come to you in prayer and we lead with I wills. I once, or I'm dealing with or Lord will you do this for us Lord this morning we want to begin simply by thanking you for who you are praising you for who you are and Lord Jesus knew that we needed help with this so that was his first instruction as we begin to pray it is to hallow your name to lift you up, to put you first to remove ourselves as the focus of prayer, and instead, Lord, put you back there. And then Jesus teaches us, Lord, to uh, put no one else before you. To, to recognize who you are, and not only how you love your name, Father, but to then, God, to pray for your will to be done. Oh, God, you know us so well. How many times, God, do I come and pray and I'm just praying for my will to be done? I'm bringing you a burden with this idea of what I think that answer should look like. I've already got the solution in mind, God. I'm just asking you to go do what I want you to do. How might our lives look differently, Lord, if we would come and ask for your will to be done? If we would let go of of our preconceived answers, Father, and give you free reign, how many times have we cheated ourselves out of seeing you work something incredible in our lives because we're unwilling, Lord, to pray for your will, to be fulfilled in our lives, and the lives of our loved ones and our families. It's a a hard thing to pray for. It's a scary thing to pray for at times, God, because it's an admission that sometimes you may not say yes. You may tell us no, we're not yet. God, in that prayer, that that prayer for your will to be done, Lord, that's where faith becomes real. Not just something we talk about or sing about, Lord, but it has become something that we live out. So God, this morning, may your will be done in our lives. In the lives, Lord, of our loved ones, in the lives of those prayer requests, Lord, right now that we're carrying, in the lives, Lord, of those, those sicknesses, Lord, that we're asking you to work in in our job situations, in our relationships, God, whatever it may be, we pray that your will would be done. So that, Lord, as we talked about a few weeks ago, you would be glorified in our lives. Now, Lord, we're, we're called; we're, we're instructed to bring you our burdens. We're instructed, Lord, to pray for provision. And so, Lord, we do do that, but we do that, Lord, after we've put you in the right place, after we've taken the correct posture, as, as Lord, as we recognize that your will that we're after come this morning, some with heavy hearts, some Lord maybe that are grieving, some Lord that are discouraged or depressed or maybe even lonely, remind each of us, God, that we're not alone you hear us? You're right here with us even this morning. And Father, I pray that you will just lift up those who need to be lifted. That God, you will correct those who need to be corrected. You'll convict those who need to be convicted. That Lord, you will speak to us as a faith family. We don't come all in the same place, dealing with the same situations, but we do come together crying out to the same God. Lord, we thank you for hearing us. Remind us this morning, Lord, that we don't bring you a checklist. There's nothing that we're sharing with you right now in this moment that you're unaware of. There's nothing, God, that we are updating you on. There's no doctor's report or checklist. You already know. But this is a moment for us, Father, instead to give you opportunity to speak to us. What might you have us do? How might we respond? Where might you send us? What words, Lord, might you fill our lives with so that we, Lord, then can pour into others? Love you. Lord, we pray sometimes our lives will reflect the words that we say. We'll talk a bit more about that this morning, Lord. I pray as we open up your word, you'll show us something new. Help us to continue to grow, to become, Lord, uh, followers of you in a way that we've never been before. May that, Lord, be reflected in our homes and in our marriages as we parent our children or our grandchildren, Lord, whatever whatever situation or station in life we may be in. Father, I pray that this morning you'll take us deeper, that you'll help us, maybe in ways that we could not have foreseen or even thought to ask. You're up to something here, Lord. You've been at work for a long time in this place preparing this faith family for such a time as this. God, I do pray as we hallow your name, as we lift you up, as we put you first. We ask for your will to be done that you, Lord, would have your way with us this morning. We thank you, Lord, for church it sees the value in praying together. Now God speak. than how we've come because lord every time we see in scripture when you show up lives are changed may it be no different this morning it's in jesus name we ask these things amen so we were like oh he came back yeah somebody like oh he came back so it's all, it's all good. But we are back. We got home about 5.30 last, last, yesterday evening, and um, we had a good time away, just spent some time with family, and I got to see our daughter and her husband um, on, on Friday, and enjoyed our time with them. And, but now we're back, and, and I walked into the house, and it was like, oh, we're back. <laughs> I liked our house much better when it was freshly painted, and there were no boxes inside yet. I'd like to go back to that moment, but now it's, it's, well, it looks like a home with eight children in it, so uh, we'll get there eventually, but we, we are back, and, and our, our son TJ last night said, when are we going to go stay in the hotel again? And joyfully, we were able to say, not anytime soon. So we are, are here with both feet, and we're excited now to kind of get to work. I'm excited to get to work so that I could get some rest, uh, so I'm uh, looking forward to that. But I wanted to say thank you, and uh, thank you just, it seems so inadequate, uh, the words don't seem like enough. Uh, you have been so kind and, and so gracious and have blessed us in so many ways over the, these last two weeks from from helping clean our, our floors and our bathrooms and windows and, and and for helping us paint everything in the house, I was just I'm amazed at how much uh, many hands got done in such a short amount of time and, and helping us unload our truck. Uh, it took it took 75 minutes to get the truck 99 percent unloaded, and it was all because of you. And spending time and watching our kids and even losing our kids and then, and then finding our kid again. Um, <laughs> True story, but you know, there, there's, a, there's a backstory to it, but um, just how you've loved us in so many different ways. Uh, the, the meals, the food, it's, it's, uh, we didn't have to cook a meal last week when we were home, and we just, we just can't say thank you enough. It really does mean a lot, and we are excited to get to know you and to hear your stories and we'll we're done away with connection moments don't 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 feel like that's uh, we'll be coming back to those but I, I enjoy those I get to know your story I get to get to hear a little bit about you and a few of you this week we got to sit around our, our dining room table later in the week after we got it put together and hear a little bit of your story and, and that's what Amy and I enjoy doing as we get to know you and at the same time you get to know us and uh, many of you have seen all sides of us already and, and still you, you welcome us and we we just are so appreciative of that and um, I, as, as I get to hear your stories I, I'm amazed and um, I, I praise God for the, just the diversity in this faith family you've got a really unique thing going here uh, you, you have urban you have rural you have professional you have blue collar you have all mixes and then we come together when we worship God the same God as one family that's a beautiful thing Let's not take that for granted. Each of us add value and depth to what God is stitching together. And my first Sunday, I shared with you the quilt that my grandmother uh, was made out of my grandmother's clothes, and, and we are that quilt today, even in this faith family. God is stitching us together, and I look forward to that. So we've been seeing what that's going to look like in the days ahead, and I've been sharing this verse out of First Peter, we've kind of been revisiting it each week, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, where Peter writes, "'To this you were called.'" To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving for you an example that you should follow in his steps." So we're learning what it means to follow his example. And just, uh, just talking about some key values that he's put upon my heart in these early days as we spend together, as you get to know me and I get to know you, uh, there are some values that are that are, are, that are underneath the, the kind of our foundation, if you will, that God is using to stitch us together. And we don't all have to look the same or be the same fabric or have the same feel or, or even serve the same purpose, but God is still stitching us together because he's called us. You were brought here on purpose, you may not realize that, but you're not here by accident. Maybe you were invited, or maybe, well, maybe mom and dad made you come. You're just still kind of figuring that part out. But you're still here, and you're a part of what God's doing, and he's stitching you into this tapestry, into this quilt that we are as a faith family. Now, Peter writes, he uses this word, to this you were called. It's a Greek word, kaleo. And the word kaleo means to call or to name, or to call by name, or even to invite So, what Peter's writing, you have been invited. You have been set apart. You've been called by name to be part of what's happening. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example, you should follow in his footsteps. Peter's saying, you've been invited to follow after Christ, to to become what he is. You've been named. You've been named as one who comes after him. And for us we need to own that. And it's an important idea and understanding that this Kaleo, this calling that we're all given uh, to follow after Jesus, well, it looks a little different than what the world looks like. It's an invitation to to become what the world needs, even though they don't even realize it sometimes. To to live life differently. To, to follow after him. And now the sufferings of Christ, we'll get into that here in a, in a few weeks. Uh, but the example of Christ that we've been focusing on in these early days. Following in his footsteps. There's an old uh, uh, saying, if to, may, may you be blessed as, you are, as your feet are covered by the dust of your rabbi. When you're following so closely behind your teacher that the dust of, that his feet are kicking up are making your feet dirty. Are you following Jesus that closely? Or are you at a distance trying to, you know, it's like a new car. You don't want to get the new car clean, after, especially if you're just going through the car wash. You, you want to keep it clean. You want to keep it in the garage. You don't want to get dirty. And we, sometimes we treat life like that. We, well, I don't want to get too dirty. I want to get, you know, if I get too close to Jesus, I'm going to get dust all over me. Well, yes. That's a beautiful thing. You might even find yourself, as I did, as we shared two weeks ago, standing in a septic tank at a pastor's house in Peru. Those are beautiful moments. But we only achieve them when we follow to places that we wouldn't normally go on our own, trusting in him as he leads us. Now, ultimately, we know as a church that we are, are called to, to, to go and to, and to make disciples. In, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, it, it's a commission, if you will, it's a mission that, that Jesus gives to every Christian church. Underneath all that, ever, all churches are all about, this is what we should be about. Going, Jesus says, therefore go. Making, go and make Disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. These are the words of Jesus to his disciples before he ascends, after his resurrection, after they've seen all that they need to see, that they've got all the pieces except for one. It's going to come a little bit later, just a few weeks later. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. You imagine how overwhelming this must have sounded to his disciples? What? You want want us to do what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Later on in Acts chapter 1, Jesus would tell them that you will be my witnesses. You're going to get power. God's going to send you power. You're going to receive this power. You're going to send the power. We have to receive it. You're going to receive power. You'll become my witnesses to, 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 all, to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to all the ends of the earth. The Samaria part's important because sometimes God sends us to people that we don't want to go to and don't want us to come to. And Samaria was just that place. He included that on purpose because his call to go and to make, that There's no boundaries. It's, it's wherever he sends us to do whatever he's called us to do. So if we're going to follow in his footsteps, if we're, if we're going to acknowledge our, our, our invitation, then we have to be willing to do what it is that he's sending us to do. Now, how do we do that? That seems overwhelming, Pastor. I don't, even, I don't know how to do that. Uh, Pastor, you don't understand. I, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of shy. I'm backwards. I like I don't like to have those conversations. What is God going to do in and through my life? How can he use me to make disciples? Thanks for asking. We're going to talk about that today. The word go. Therefore, go, I'm going, to get, I'm going to butcher this word, but it's, it's, it's all Greek to you, right? So you don't know any different. So, put you all my Yeah, I don't try that again twice. But the word go, it means literally to travel, obviously, to, to get up and to go somewhere, to depart, to take a journey. Now, you could journey across the room. You could journey uh, through a store. You could journey down the hallway. Your journey doesn't have to be like a, a trip necessarily, but it's, it's to to. Go from one point to the next is what the word means. But it can be translated also to as you go. And what Jesus is trying to communicate to his disciples is as you go through life, make disciples. As you go through your, your work day, make disciples. As you go through your, your time at home with your family, make disciples. As you go through your, your time at the ball fields or at the park or, or your entertainment, whatever it might be, make disciples. As you're going through life, as you're living, share, love, be, do. Let people see the difference that I make in you. Now, to be a disciple, we need to understand at first what's he calling us to go and to make. Well, it, it's a disciple is a learner. It's, it's someone who's a student Someone who uh, wants to uh, become adherent. That's a big word. Adherent to, uh, kind of become uh, ingrained with uh, the teachings or the followings of the one that you're following. So to become, and even the word disciple means is this one who follows after. And yeah, so when we get the word discipline, the word discipline is not a negative word. We've made it into a negative word. But it's, it's a discipline. It's something that helps us become a follower to the one that we're wanting to emulate or to be like. This idea of making, how do we make something? We're to go and to make. We have to have something in order to make something out of, right? And of course, we're dealing with supply chain issues in our world today. Sometimes it's hard to make the things that we want to make. And only God can make something out of nothing. So if God wants us to go and to make a disciple, how do we do that? We we can't do that apart from ourselves. He's the one who fulfills our our needs and, and gives us all that we need to become makers of disciples. He does that through our stories. He does that through our, the good moments in our lives. He does that even through the tragic moments of our lives. God is always at work. He's given us all that we need so that when we go or as we go, he can use us, use our stories, use our experiences, use the good times, the bad times, the ugly times, the beautiful times in our lives to draw others to him. Here's the key point, church. God does the heavy lifting. He does the drawing. He does the preparing of people's hearts to receive what it is he wants us to share. Too often we think, well, I'm not sure how I would lead or pray someone uh, uh, or lead them to Christ or help them pray this prayer of salvation. I don't know how to do that. That's not what God's telling you he necessarily wants you to do. He may just want you to share your testimony, your story. That doesn't mean you're up there, well, you know, on this day, God did this. It's simply talking about how God is working in your life. Or maybe you're going through a moment that's, that's scary or difficult, and instead of acting as the world does, we respond with peace or even grace in a moment that seems so unnatural. And it leaves people wondering, what, what's that about? That, that's not a natural response. How in the world could you respond or act like that when, when things are going crazy around us and, and they are in our world today? Only through God. Only because of Jesus in our lives. But when we emulate the world more than we emulate Jesus, we miss out on an opportunity and the as we goes to make sure that the world has a chance to know who he is. Making something out of nothing, only God. So let's talk about some misconceptions that, that come with what it means to make a disciple. I'm sure if I would ask you to raise your hand, I'm not going to because, well, I don't want to see your hands like that. today. You, you might say, well, I'm not ready to disciple anyone. If I were to ask that question, how many feel like you're ready to disciple someone? I would, would wager not many hands would go up today because I think most of us feel like we're inadequate to do that we're not prepared or we haven't had the right classes or we don't have the right story or we're not good teachers i'm not ready to disciple anyone might be the first response we would have but the other thought would be this i don't need someone to disciple me see the call to go and make disciples implies that we also are being discipled that we're allowing others to speak into our lives to help us grow to become more than we are And, and i the same is true even for pastors, and, and just last year, I, I went through a discipleship process with, with one of my mentors, and we did it over Zoom. He lives in another state, and uh, we, our, we crossed paths about 15 years ago, and he's helped me through some significant transition moments in my life, and we went through a season of about eight, eight sessions. Eight, it took a couple of months, but we spent some time where he was discipling me, and the, the, the time that we spent, it was he was then teaching me how then to go and to disciple others. I've been in ministry a long time, and I'm still learning what it means to disciple others. We're always in this process, as we're discipled, then learning what it means to then disciple others. If you're a parent, you should always be learning what it means to be a discipler as you cha- disciple your children, because they, they're going to keep growing. You know how we always say, oh, I wish time would slow down. I wish they'd stay little forever. And then there's days, oh, well, I wish they'd grow up a little bit. And oh, they grew up too fast. We, we kind of go back and forth as moms and dads, and we just can't make up our minds. Uh, if, if you do like us, and you, you have eight, you, you've got all the all the uh, ages covered, so you can kind of take your time and kind of pick which ones you like the best. But even my adult children, th- there's still discipling that's occurring. There's still encouragement that we're giving. There's still guidance that we're pouring into them, all the way down to to, to, to TJ who's three, and and it's, and it's just starting to learn what it means to to, to love one another, to treat others the way you want to be treated, and to share. And to just get along. Or the difference that Jesus can make even in his young life. So we all need discipled. If you've gotten to the place where you feel like you you don't need it anymore, then there's something spiritually missing. We should still be hungry to grow. And so we all are called to make disciples, even though you may not feel like you're ready. We're all called to be disciples, even though you may not feel like you need it. So how does that all work in our lives today? And of course, in the time that we have, it's difficult to kind of break all these things down. But but very quickly, here's some things that we can do, very practical things that we can begin even this afternoon doing. We can make disciples through our example, through our example. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, Paul writes, Join with others in following my example, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. Life is okay, it's okay to have patterns, it's okay to have routine. We, we, we need routine, that gives us a little bit of sense of, of, of order, and allows rest to be part of our lives. Paul's saying, join with others in following my example, living according to the pattern we gave you. Don't do it alone. When we do it with others, we have accountability. We, we, we have others that will help us, and we have others that can correct us if we need corrected, or we can correct them if they need corrected, in love, of course, in, in Christ, in, for, for the right reasons and the right purpose, to follow after. The, this pattern, this map that Jesus leaves for us. First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse one. Paul then writes, "Follow my example." Ooh, that's, that's scary. But he continues, "As I follow the example of Christ, if, if you don't know which way to go, if you don't know where to begin, begin by doing what Jesus did. Follow after Him. Put Him first, and let Him fill in the blanks." Now, the word "follow" that Paul uses mimetes. Mimitase means simply to imitate, as you might sound it out. Imitate Christ. Do what he did. When's the last time in your life you, you can think of a moment where you did what Jesus did? Hopefully doesn't have to think, you don't have to think too long or too hard about that. It should be something that we're doing regularly, daily as a disciple, following him. So we can make disciples through our example, but we also make disciples through our words. through our words. We read in Scripture, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only words that are good for edifying, for building up the body. If we're not building up, there's no gray area here. If we're not building up, then we're tearing down. If we're not helping others become stronger, then we're inadvertently, even if we're saying nothing, allowing others to speak into their lives, are tearing them down. The encouragers. Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 28. (laughs) There's this transition between Moses and Joshua. And we read, but commission Joshua, God's telling Moses. Encourage and strengthen him. For he will lead this people across uh, the, the Jordan River and will cause them to inherit the land you will see. Moses is instructed to build up the one who's going to do what Moses wanted to do. Moses had been with the Israelites all the way out of Egypt and through the, prom, through, through the wilderness for 40 years. And he doesn't get to go into the promised land. And God tells him, build up the one who's going to finish what you started. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. What? Now, we can make that real, real practical in our world today. How many uh, we, we read time stories all the time where uh, jobs are outsourced or, or, or combined or sent a, to another country. And the people who are losing their jobs are charged with training those who will take over their jobs. We read those stories, oh, that's, oh what, what a terrible position to be in. That's where what Moses was, was put in. And God says, encourage and strengthen him. Make him better. Lift him up. But our natural human response is, why would I do that? They're taking something from me, and they, you want me to lift them up? Encourage them. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said to his disciples in verse 24, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So as we encourage with our words, as we, 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 we help make disciples through our example, Jesus ultimately, as we follow after him, shows us what that looks like. We have to pick up our cross. Which implies that this is not going to be painless. It implies that we're going to have to be willing to to go through some struggles. And and while we don't have time to get into it this morning, we'll get into it in the weeks ahead. And and this is where we find this coming together of discipleship and grace. We all love grace. It's amazing, after all. We we should love it. It it saves us. It, it, It cleanses us. It allows us to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. But it... Sometimes grace, it's like this egg. You ever play the egg toss game at family reunions, and if you drop the egg, it breaks? You you don't want to drop the egg. Like, I've got this egg, this grace egg in my hand, and I don't want to drop it. Because what happens if I drop it is it cracks open. But it's it's an egg that Jesus wants us to crack open. Because if we just treat it as grace, just as the forgiveness of sins, then we're not really understanding it. And while we won't won't get into the the nuances and the depth of it today, it's important for us to understand that when we are forgiven... There's so much more to the grace that poured into our lives. If we just stop it at forgiveness, then we don't get it. It's like the egg has to be broken open so that we understand. The disciples, they raced to the empty tomb on the third day, and they saw that it was empty, and yet they, we read in Scripture, they still went back to fishing. They saw that Jesus had risen from the dead, but yet it didn't make a difference in their lives in that moment. They were still lacking something. They lacked understanding. They could see it. They even believed it. They didn't really understand it. This is why discipleship matters. This is why being discipled matters. It helps us understand who Jesus is, what grace is, what grace does. So I want to speak to you this morning. I want to encourage you, if you're not in a small group or or a Sunday school class or involved in a Bible study or, or in a discipleship group of some sort, then something else is pouring into your lives because each one of us are followers each one of us is following something or someone and if we haven't chosen what that something or someone is and the world chooses it for us we might sit there and think oh no i'm not But, but the truth is we are that's how jesus made us that's how we were created there's something in us that compels us we might say, well, I'm, I'm an individual. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this all on my own. I've got this all figured out. I don't follow. I don't want people to follow after me. But there's even something ahead of us that we're still chasing after, that we're following, that we're pursuing. So what is it that we are, are being discipled by? Who are we just being discipled by? What is, is filling in those gaps in our lives? What's helping us understand? Because grace... Yes, it forgives, and yes, it's free, and and yes, God offers to all the who would have it. Scripture says, those who would believe. Believe. It's a beautiful word, pistullio. But the word pistullio, it means to believe in such a way that your life changes, that what you do changes, and how you speak changes changes, that, that how you treat others changes. It's a belief that alters everything else that, that was before, now as you go forward is different. Jesus, for soever pestuyo will receive eternal life. Those who understand what grace is, those who, who get it will recognize what sin does. pestuyo discipleship helps us get to that place and and along our journey as we go we get to help others figure that out not because we've got it all figured out because they they can look at us and and, and learn by our example that they can learn from the the good moments in our lives and yes even the challenging moments of our lives we want nothing more as parents and protect our kids from going through the same pain and difficult situations as we had to go through growing up but yet unfortunately that's how we learn As you go, as you you lead others, as you encourage them, what are we allowing God to do in and through us? See, grace not only cleanses and forgives, but it changes, it transforms, it compels us to do things we would not do on our own. And we have a world who needs that. We have a community who needs that. So as we follow then we begin to figure out what that looks like. As we are discipled, we see areas in our lives that God can help us become something more. And As we disciple others, we're just sharing what God has helped us learn. It's not complicated. You don't need a degree. You just need to be willing. Just willing to have a conversation, willing to talk, willing to recognize that sometimes you have people in your life that maybe you didn't even realize God, God put there. Every Paul needs a Timothy, and every Timothy needs a Paul. Who in your life are you allowing to disciple you? Who is it you're actively discipling? Maybe not the questions you thought you'd be asked this morning or the things you'd have to give an answer to, but all of those questions lead us back to this individual response we have to give. We sing to God We testify to God. We raise our hands and worship him. We say that we love him. We we pray and spend time talking and listening. But as we leave, what difference does it make? How does it impact our lives? Do we let others see the difference? Becoming a disciple. Before we go and make, we first have to be. And I believe we we have a lot of disciples here today. And I look forward to in the as you goes, hearing your stories. But maybe there's a few this morning as we get ready to close. And it's just gonna be a time of reflection. And I'm gonna invite Amy to come and she's just gonna play. And we're just gonna give God a few moments to speak, to have an honest conversation about where we are as individuals in our discipleship journey. There's a lot of different stages of life represented here this morning. It's part of the beautiful quilt that God's putting together. Some have been disciples a long time. Some are just maybe being faced with that decision even this morning. But each one of us, it's a conversation we all can have. need to be willing and open to allow God the chance to show us what's next. To hear him say, come, follow me. Let me show you something. Let me lead you to to a a life that you, you could never achieve on your own. Let me show you what you're missing. Let me fill in the blanks for you. I invite you to stand with me. As I pray, I pray, I ask that you pray. Have your own conversation with God this morning. Say, Lord, where am I? Do you have something more for me? Am I heading in the right direction? There's some things I need to change. And as he speaks, be willing to receive it. Hear his voice today. Father, we're here today, not by accident. And I pray you to speak to us. Lord, we can learn a lot if we're just willing to put aside preconceived thoughts and things that we believe that we know or understand, allow you an opportunity, Lord, to just do something fresh and new in our lives. So Lord, where am I today in my discipleship journey? <laughs> How quickly you seem to fill in the blanks if we're willing to ask that question. What steps might I take today follow after you more closely. What do I need to add into my life or allow into my life, Lord? What do I need to take out? Are we willing to ask that question today? What do I need to take out? What has no place, Lord, in my life if I'm truly going to follow after? Father, for some, the question is, who would you have me disciple? I understand, Lord, so many right now feel so inadequate to even ask that question. I live that that, that doubt or that concern every week. Who am I to do this? (laughs) That God, somehow you still can use us in ways that we could never foresee or imagine. So God, I pray we would not be afraid and be willing to ask today, who might you have us disciple? As we go through life, as we go to work, as, as we go to school, Lord, as we, we go to practice, as we spend time with family, as we interact with our neighbors, Lord, as we go, how might I encourage through my words or through my example or, or through my testimony or through the, the good moments in life, through the challenging moments in life, the mountaintops, the valleys, Lord, how might you use my experiences, Father, to help someone else? understand who you are. Because, Lord, we live in a world, there, there, there are churches filled today with those who've seen the empty tomb but yet don't understand. Maybe even some here today, God, who, who, who believe, Lord, with their eyes, but, Lord, haven't yet gotten to the place where they believe with all of their life. Help us not to miss the opportunities right beside us to invest in, to pour into. help others, know who you are. Lord, here's what I believe, here's what you've taught me, what I know. But Lord, when I crack open the, this grace egg of, that you offer to us, it, it compels me. I can't keep quiet. I can't keep it to myself. I just can't receive my ticket to heaven and be satisfied with that. There's so much more that just oozes out, Lord. We have to want. Lord, and in that, we find understanding. In that, Lord, we find purpose. In that, Father, we find fulfillment. For God, I pray that you wouldn't let those questions get away from us this week. Who am I discipling, Lord? Who's discipling me? What do I need to add, Lord? What do I need to get rid of? God, I pray that you would continue the work you've started in this faith family. You're up to something beautiful. If we see a little bit more, we're going to continue to give you praise you have your way with us. Father, as we go, help us to know we are sent people. Help us to serve as Jesus served, to see Lord, what you see. God, help grow your kingdom one person at a time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are the body of Christ, each one a part of it. We do make a difference in your world this week. God bless you.